going on today for the heart and soul of America, and the right side must win. It's time for America Can We Talk with Debbie George Addis. On America Can We Talk, we talk truth about America and why it matters to you. America Can We Talk starts now. And good evening and welcome. Welcome to my show. I'm Debbie George Addis. Welcome to my show and my first five tonight. I want to talk about Hurricane Harvey in this first five But first, I want to say it's Labor Day weekend. I hope you're enjoying the last weekend of summer. It's also today was designated by both President Donald Trump and Governor Greg Abbott of Texas as a day of prayer in support of the people who are the victims of Hurricane Harvey, as well as in support of all of the thousands and thousands of donors, volunteers, uh, first responders, people who have just knocked themselves out to help people in Hurricane Harvey. I want to give you some quick stats, but then what I really want to touch on tonight is what this this disaster really means, what reveals about the character of America and about where we are politically in this country. First, over just quick numbers, the damage from Hurricane Harvey is the worst natural natural disaster in American history. It's in the range of 190 to 200 billion as a B as in boy billion when you count the homes, the businesses, just the damage to the entire large area. At least 100,000 homes have been severely damaged or destroyed. Uh, at least 50 lives lost. I think that the number is higher now, but it's around 50 at least were lost. And hundreds of thousands of Americans are displaced, living in shelters or with friends. A very serious, uh, j- just a crisis situation in Texas. But what I loved about watching all the coverage of it was how the spirit of Americanism just burst through. You saw people from all over Texas and other southern states jumping on the highways, driving down there, helping people. We had the Cajun Navy bringing flatboats from Louisiana that could go through this water that, and rescuing people out of their houses. You just saw that American spirit, that spirit of loving your neighbor, caring about your neighbor. It was a beautiful thing. What you did not see, you did not see racial inharmony. You did not see racial distrust. You saw people of every color and ethnicity and background helping each other out, rescuing each other, hugging each other after it was over. You saw a concern on the part of thousands of people for those less fortunate, and you saw the spirit of generosity, people donating time and money to help these victims. And I'm going to tell you that that picture of America is exactly the picture I try to portray about this country every week on this show. America is a noble, good, gracious country and people. Not perfect, but a noble, good country. The reason that many people in the American left do not enjoy the coverage that is being given nationwide about Hurricane Harvey is because it reveals the American people to be just the opposite of what the American left tries to paint. The picture they try to paint of an America that is filled with racism, America that is just filled with racist haters, selfish rich people who don't care about other people. This, the response is hurricane, really punctured a big hole in the argument that the American left has been making, especially in the last few months, even over the last eight years, of what the character of America is. 
President Donald Trump went down there this past Tuesday and again yesterday. Pictures of people, I mean thousands of people lining the streets waving and, and thumbs up and smiling and clapping for him. You saw pictures of him yesterday in some of the shelters holding babies, kissing babies, handing out food. It was just America, Americana. And there was one really cool thing. There was a woman in one of these shelters, a victim of the hurricane, who commented to one of the volunteers you know, now that I've seen President Trump, I can't believe all the stuff I was reading about him. He seems like such a nice guy. So this hurricane has helped America kind of, um, it, it puts a dent into the picture that the media has been trying to create of Donald Trump as some kind of monster. But the real thing I want to get at is what this stands for and symbolizes politically in America. There was a political cartoon Many of you probably saw Politico, the left-wing website, had a cartoon mocking Texans, mocking these people being rescued from near-death experiences in this flood by fellow Americans. And the cartoon was mocking their Christian faith, mocking them for thanking God instead of government, mocking all Texans as kind of secessionist Racist. The political uh, author of that cartoon, the drawer, Matt Worker, had to apologize and political pull the cartoon down. But what, what you saw in that cartoon is exactly what left wing America thinks of America and tries to portray about America. That guy meant to draw what he did. He just didn't like that he got such a pushback about it. So much of our debate on this show and other times in America is based on issues, whether it's border security or the budget or national defense or refugees, whatever it is. But really, the important thing about this show and about every conversation about America is important for the American people and for you as informed, intelligent, thinking patriots to step back from the the niceties, the complexities, the little issues and remember the big picture. America is a good, noble, gracious country, and the ideas of America are what created this country. There are big differences between the left-wing view of America and the right-wing view of America. The left-wing view of America is one which simply says the government must control everything. The government must control everything because people left to their own devices will not help each other, will not be good. The right-wing view is the people of this country are great, and it's the ideas of this country's founding that created the culture of America's greatness. Those ideas are what matter. Those ideas of the individual liberty, personal responsibility, the the character of the people built rising up and becoming good people and becoming loving neighbors. This is the real truth of America. So when we come back from the break, which is coming up in just a moment, I want to talk a little more about this, but here's my bottom line. You can't have America unless you're willing to recognize what made America great. And we'll talk about it more after the break. Come right back. Attention Ronald Reagan fans. What is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. 
program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. America guarantees each eligible adult citizen the right to vote. The Public Interest Legal Foundation, a 501c3 public interest law firm, is dedicated entirely to election integrity, to assuring that voter rolls include names of only citizens eligible to vote, and that protections are in place to prevent voter fraud of all kinds. The Public Interest Legal Foundation discovered that more than 1,000 non-citizens enrolled to vote in Virginia in just eight counties. And in Philadelphia, felons as well as non-citizens are on the voter rolls. Non-citizens have been registering to vote and voting. The Public Interest Legal Foundation is fighting nationwide and in Texas to ensure that only Americans pick American leaders. We are actively litigating high-impact cases to clean up voter rolls and protect the ballot box. If you do not want your vote canceled out, visit publicinterestlegal.org to join us in the fight to restore integrity to American elections. Protect your vote. Visit publicinterestlegal.org today. Let me tell you about the group Vice President Mike Pence called the most effective grassroots pro-life organization in America. It's the Susan B. Anthony List, and they're the ones who are on Capitol Hill right now, day in, day out, to fight back against Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. Every day in our nation, abortion takes more than 2,000 innocent lives, almost two every single minute of every single day. And Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion business in the country, committing one-third of all abortions. It's an unspeakable tragedy and a stain upon our nation and our humanity. And it's up to us to do something about it. This is your opportunity to join the team that's leading the charge to end abortion. Go to sba-list.org or Google Susan B. Anthony List now to learn more and start saving lives today. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org. And welcome back to America Can We Talk? You know, I always in my first five in the evening try to close out with two things and I didn't get to it today. It's just too short a period of time. I need like my time warp machine, but I want to finish at first five by making these two points. I always try to say why what we talk about in the show matters to you, because a lot of people think 
well, you know, these political things, I'm not a political person, whatever, somebody wins, we have laws. But the shape and direction of our country matter to everyone. You don't want to wake up and realize 10, 20, 30 years later, things have changed. What the heck happened? What happened to America? So why this particular issue matters to you is this. Left-wing America today, I'm not talking about your average Democrat on the street. I'm talking about left-wing America. Left-wing America has immersed itself in socialism. It is nothing less than that. When the purpose of taxes is to redistribute wealth, when the government is taking control of a major industry like the healthcare industry and running it from Washington, it's not pure socialism in some intellectual academic sense. It is the seeds of being planted in the minds of Americans that the goal of government is to run your life, to run industries, to whether they run them or they just regulate them to death through regulations coming to the federal government. At some point, we've lost the idea of the of liberty in America and of private sector America. So while this matters to you is this, the ideas of America created this country. They were ideas like liberty and personal responsibility. They were a profound uh, faith, a commitment to faith. The idea you have rights just because you were born. That's the right view of America, the right wing and the right view of America. And these ideas created a culture that's filled with goodness, generosity, and nobility. And this matters to you because the flourishing of faith and liberty and opportunity and abundance are what made America great and noble and good. Big government socialism does exactly the opposite to a country. The more a government controls a society, the less freedom people have, the more misery, the more poverty, the less generous, the more resentment, the more envy of your neighbor is created by the ideas of socialism. You simply, and this is why I always try to close my first five with, you can't have America and... And this week, you can't have America and socialism. You can't have this just abundant outpouring of good if we allow this country to trend more and more towards socialism. So that's the end of my first five, even though we're in second quarter. Okay, so now I want to introduce, we, this is our first Sunday of the month. So uh, we, as you all know, we have a millennial roundtable. So we have Drew Worker with us. He is from SMU, but on many times. And he is the president of the College Republicans at SMU. And there's some other thing. What is it? Well, that, that's the primary organization that I'm president of. Uh, I used to also serve on the board of YAF. Um, I no longer serve with them because I'm focusing more of my attention on college Republicans. Okay, YAF is Young Americans for Freedom, Young Americans Foundation. Love them. And we have a new Millennial Roundtable person tonight joining us. I'm so glad he was willing to do that. Matt Van Hefty is here in the studio, and he's a TCU student. And he's um, and you're involved in College Republicans. Can you tell our listeners what you do? Yes, I'm the president of the TCU College Republicans, and I'm also the executive director of the Texas Federation of College Republicans. Okay, so he's at statewide office here. So, okay, this is cool. All right, so, you know, I, I wanted to hit on Hurricane Harvey. I, I probably gave it too short a shrift. It's a wonderful, beautiful thing about America that the president and the governor of our state would call for a day of prayer. And I, I know many, many friends are praying for the victims and the, and the responders and the donors, just praying to see God's care for all these people. And I'm and, uh, just grateful we live in a country where our leaders will say that. Okay, now I want to shift entirely. Oh, no, here's a good segue. So some people had really insightful analysis about what happened with the um, President Trump's visit down to Houston and what the— um, you know, all the goodness that he was able to share and lift people's spirits. But some people 
Uh, and I will just, I'm going to name names. Some people decided that the most important thing about the story of President Trump and the First Lady Melania Trump going down to visit Houston was what kind of shoes Melania Trump was wearing as she walked from the White House to Marine One or Air Force One. She walked across the White House lawn to get on Air Force One in stilettos, which I don't even know until a few years ago what those are, but it's just very, very high heel shoes with, with a skinny heel. Very classy. She's a model. She looks fabulous. So she wore that over to the uh, helicopter, which again took them to the plane to go down to Houston. When she got down to Houston, she had on, you know, jeans and a flat pair of sneakers, and she looked just perfect. But there are all these people on the American, these just shallow Americans. I'll, I'll just mention one, Washington Post, Robin Given, the alleged conservative at the Washington Post. I mean, dumping on her. Vogue magazine couldn't leave anything better to write about than what Melania Trump had on her feet. So two things are funny about that. You know, the, uh, the most shallow things to critique, as you know, in this show, we do not criticize hairstyle, attire, um, you know, even pantsuits. I don't make comments about it. I really don't. But I do say on this, just this is typical Vogue, simple-minded idiocy that should be mocked and criticized. And the Washington Post person who actually wrote that is something that mattered. She shouldn't even have a job. Okay. But then the really funny thing about Melania, and then we're going to turn to the important issue of North Korea. We have to come back to it after our next guest, but I want to talk about North Korea in a minute. But the really funny thing I thought about Melania Trump, because she's so gracious and lovely. So she went down there again yesterday. She and Donald Trump left Washington, came down to Texas yesterday. And after all that criticism, she no doubt read... She wore stilettos again. I just thought that was, that was kind of like just, you're not going to mock me. I love that. Okay. Do you want do you, do you want to comment on the stilettos or should we go to North Korea? No, I, I can comment on the stilettos. I think it's just a perfect example of how um, the left has a separate agenda when we're talking about the right here. Um, it shows that they are o- only concerned with mocking the right or members of the right at any chance they can get while not covering what actual... Um, substantive um, projects or operations that they're trying to work on here. Not commenting about the unbelievably great impression Melania and Donald Trump gave uh, of America in Houston. I'm telling you, you should see these crowds of young children hugging him, kissing him, want their picture with the president. This was like priceless, priceless stuff. And that was their that was their uh, venture into the, into the issue. Okay, I do want to talk about North Korea, which I, I actually was going to start this show with, but um, I, I wanted to get this uh, Hurricane Harvey stuff, and that's kind of what we are about America. So North Korea, we're again in a situation where they are threatening. And we will. We only have three and a half minutes left in this segment, and we have a guest coming up at 630, a very cool guest. So we'll come back to this if we don't get to all of it right now. But on the subject of North Korea, the reason I wanted to raise it is, by contrast to the stiletto crowd— they're actually serious commentators, serious political thinkers, serious strategists trying to figure out what in the world America should do and the, the world should do, the sane world should do about the fact that the North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un, who's, you know, could not possibly be mentally stable, he has now announced a really big announcement yesterday, a hydrogen bomb, which he believes he can have put on an I. CBM, Intercontinental Ballistic Missile. This guy is talking about a hydrogen bomb, and I want to just um, say something about what this hydrogen maybe doesn't even, I I don't know what you think about. It sounds like is that something different, maybe not that lethal. I want to just tell you about the size of it. This is a, a successful test 
in North Korea so successful, such a large bomb that, that they blew off, that it caused an earthquake and a follow-up earthquake. The size of this bomb is estimated to have a yield of as high as 100 kilotons, just to get a measure in your head, 10 times the power of their most previous test, and five times the power of the atomic bomb that the U.S. dropped on Nagasaki in Japan. So North Korea, not sane, has nuclear weapons thanks to President Clinton, and now has launched a, um, exploded a bomb that is five times bigger than what we did in Japan to end World War II, which we had to do. And then, so America's now got to figure what to do about this. And we're going to, I'm not even sure, do we have like a minute and a half here? Let me just fill in the details of what happened and then, or or maybe we could, and anyway, yeah, we got to do this. Let me just fill in the other details. Because the, among the biggest and most alarming aspects of this story is that Kim Jong-un, who's not at all sane, had a statement to the media um, the day before they did this launch. And he said in his statement, he threatened to detonate the nuclear device at a high altitude above the U.S., the detonation of which could emit a brief but powerful electromagnetic signal capable of disrupting swaths of our U.S. are grid. This is called the EMP or or electromagnetic pulse. And I'm going to tell you, folks, this is what we've had Senator Bob Hall of the state of Texas on talking about. We've had people from Washington on describing people in the Center for Security Policy. What this means, if this guy is accurate, if Kim Jong-un knows what he's talking about, we, we can tell in America he does have a bomb of the size he claims. If he has the technology to attach it to an, to an intercontinental ballistic missile, ICBM, and it could reach America. It could reach the high, sky high enough to interfere with our electric grid. This is catastrophic. This is a crazy guy who could actually, when you see elect- electromagnetic pulse, what they're talking about is all the systems we rely on for electricity would go down talking about you can't communicate and you think, well, I'll come back after an hour. You know, they just got to fix something in the power company. That's not what it is. It is a destruction of that system. Huge problem, huge issue. And we come back after the break. We're going to have a guest coming up and then we're going to come back to North Korea, I promise. But the guest coming up with us is Brett Lloyd, who runs the polling company, which is what Kellyanne Conway founded, which really helped Donald Trump win the 2016 elections. You don't want to miss this. Our nation faces a choice, the path of big government based out of Washington or the unique brand of liberty and prosperity enjoyed here in Texas. For 27 years, the Texas Public Policy Foundation has helped leaders in the Lone Star State prove that fiscal restraint and small government can deliver opportunity and prosperity for all. The Texas Public Policy Foundation promotes and defends solutions here and around the country based on liberty, free enterprise, and personal responsibility, whether informed the national debate on property rights, energy, taxes, education, or criminal justice, the foundation works to translate ideas into real change. The Texas Public Policy Foundation does not accept government funds or contributions to influence the outcome of its research. It is supported by thousands of people like you who are concerned about the future of our country. You can help Texas remain strong as the beacon of liberty in America. Visit TexasPolicy.com to learn more. If you want to get at the issues that really matter for women and men, go to IWF.org. That's the Independent Women's Forum. 
IWF is all about increasing the number of American women who value free markets and personal liberty. IWF's motto is all issues are women's issues. They bring a fact-based approach to politics, policy, and culture. When the left tried to peddle a phony war on women, IWF shot back with facts and figures. American women aren't victims in need of ever-increasing government protection. And IWF doesn't think things are perfect, but they believe that individual liberty is the key to prosperity and fulfillment. Along with their sister organization, Independent Women's Voice, IWVoice.org, which is a leader in the fight against Obamacare, they offer policy papers, op-eds, and a popular blog on issues of the day. So visit IWF at IWF.org. That's IWF.org. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million Heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. There is a lot of talk today among media and academia in our culture about everything that is supposedly wrong with America. Political correctness tries to dictate that we must stop thinking that America is exceptional. America's bravest have our back in the air, at sea, and on land. But who has America's back in the culture? In schools, on cable television, in newspapers, it's time to end the greatest prejudice on earth, anti-Americanism. And who makes the case for America? Flag does. Flag is the foundation for liberty and American greatness. Flag has America's back on the cultural battlefield. Flag is a nonprofit battle tank working to change the cultural and media narrative about America. If you think it's time to stand up for America, join the Foundation for Liberty and American Greatness. Your support of Flag is an investment in the America your children will inherit. Visit their website at flagusa.org and consider donating. All donations are 100% tax deductible. That's flagusa.org. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Love having you join me. I have my Right View Round. This is the first Sunday of the month, so my millennial Right View Roundtable. Matt Van Hefty and Drew Worker are here tonight. And we have online, as I mentioned before the break, we have online Brett Lloyd, who is the president and CEO of the polling company. Hello, sir. How are we doing tonight? We're great. We're having, we're having these discussions on the breaks of too many stories and too little time. But I'm so excited to talk to you. I, I mentioned, I think, in one email when we were setting up this interview, I followed Kellyanne Conway for a long time. I just thought she's just the coolest person. I love her story of founding the polling company while she was in law or after law school, but she interned, I think, in law school, the polling company. So great company. And, and she's a great and I know she's not involved anymore. Now you're running the place. So I want to start with just a briefest, if you could. How did you get involved in the professional business of polling? 
Sure. Uh, my background is in statistics and soci- sociology and a little bit of uh, politics. I always say I'm from Iowa originally, and I say in Iowa you grow up doing two things, and that's politics or wrestling, uh, and I'm not a very good wrestler, so I got into politics. Um, and and really, I, I came into Washington, D.C. I started to do some work for the Republican National Committee, um, and in 2012, I, I had become the polling director over at the, at the committee, and we were doing some work and uh, really wanted to kind of tap on Kellyanne's insights to uh, the female electorate. And we started working together in 2012 and really haven't uh, stopped working with each other since. Love that. Okay, I want to jump right in because I know we only have you for one segment. So you run the polling company. You know, I was going to tell you, I do... Um, I do politics all the time. I read a lot of polls, and it sounds like, I mean, you can find them that say almost anything, and you can find them that seem, you know, just so off or inconsistent with how you see the world. So let me just try to understand with polling, or tell our listeners, if you read a poll that just seems like it could not be right, what is it you can do to figure out if there's something wrong with a polling method? Sure, sure. There's, There's... There's actually quite a bit of that uh, that, that you'll that you'll run into. You'll see uh, different narratives trying to be spoken through numbers uh, that people will will try to produce. Um, one of the things that I always look to first is the demographic makeup of the poll. So if you're looking at, let's say, the I don't know, president's favorability, and you go into the poll and you look, I, I just saw an ABC one out the other day, and it was. I think it was plus 11 Democrats. There, there's, that, there's some indicators right away that you can look at in, in kind of looking at the methodology of the poll, kind of who they spoke to. Um, that's one of the things I always look to first. So if you're going to, uh, you know, have a poll in, in say, Iowa, um, but you're only talking to people that live in one neighborhood in Des Moines, Iowa. That's probably not a good representation of what people in Iowa think. Extrapolate that, uh, you know, to to the size of the nation, and 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 you can see why some of these numbers can get a little a little wonky. The other thing that I think really matters a lot is question ordering. Um, I had written before, but. I had seen a poll in probably 2009, and it said something along the lines. There was three questions in secession, and it said the first question was, uh, President Obama received the worst uh, financial situation in history or something like that due to the fact that we have no oil or something in America. <laughs> what do you attribute that to? And then the, ne- the next question said, uh, President Obama's uh, the stock market was the worst it's ever been handed to another president. What do you attribute that to? And then the question was, uh, the third question was, how do you think Trump has handled situations that he's received since becoming president? And so it really painted this picture before the, there was even an open response. And then this, it was done by a news uh, news outlet and then they were able to go in and say everybody in america thinks that either obama received this bad economic situation or it's due to the oil situation in america well they painted their own picture with their poll so some of those background questions that you might not see when you first read the story might be important to look at okay you know 
I've heard of the, the term push polling, where I know, and I hear people do like candidates, like, you know, do you support, you know, Drew or Matt? You know, well, would it change your opinion if you knew that, you know, so-and-so, um, you know, dropped out of high school and robbed a bank? Or, I mean, they, they just, <laughs> and, and so they're push polling you. So, I mean, that's another thing where, and, and is it, are you able in most polls, like Rasmussen, the big point, can, can you get in and get a copy of the questions or are they, are the polling organizations mostly keep that secret? Um, I, I would argue that the, the the polling organizations that are probably most credible, you'll be able anybody in America will be able to get in and find the question wording and and full question uh, the, the full uh, length and uh, of that survey. We call it a survey instrument. But sometimes you'll go in and you'll notice that you're only seeing question one, four, nine, and twelve. Well, now I have some questions. What what happened to question yeah. eleven? What, what what was asked in that question? Or two and three? Yeah. <laughs> sure. Exactly. Exactly. So so sometimes you gotta you gotta wonder what they're asking in those other questions, and they're not as easily to they're not as easy to obtain. Okay, so I'm sure you've been asked this question dozens of times since the presidential election, but how did so many polling companies get it wrong and say that Hillary Clinton was going to win the presidency? I mean, how could that have happened? Uh, there were there were some that got it wrong. I will say there was plenty of pollsters that that got it right. Um, I would I would argue that the number one reason pollsters got it wrong in this election was the demographic makeup, which I was speaking to earlier. Uh, there there being an assumption that this many people are going to come out and vote for Hillary Clinton, or if you're a Democrat, you're going to vote for Hillary Clinton, and they set up we call them sub quotas. What that means is that I'm looking to speak to a very specific person uh, that might be age-defined or race-defined. And I think that a lot of these pollsters had some assumptions. Um, they had some assumptions of, say, union households. If this member, if this person is a member of the union household, then they are going to vote for Hillary Clinton. Um, I, I also think that they didn't they didn't probe deep enough. There was early signs that the media or some news outlets really didn't want people to be saying that they were going to be voting for Trump, making it a little difficult uh, for somebody to be responding on a on a question that would say, yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm undecided. Are you certainly going to vote? Yes, I'm certainly going to vote. And this would be the day before the election. <laughs> These people are going to vote and they're saying, OK, and are you undecided? And they go, yes, I'm undecided. Well, if you're coming out with a poll that's 11 percent undecided, which was happening to a lot of these pollsters, these pollsters are turning around and saying, well, Hillary Clinton's going to win it. I think that a, a handful of poster, pollsters would look at that and say, well, they've had a lot of years to meet and understand Hillary Clinton. If they're undecided, let's find out who these people are that are undecided. Let's ask some more probing questions like who they've voted for in the past. Um, how they tend to vote uh, in, in local races, what kind of candidates they're looking for. Um, a lot of people in America, if we if we reround the clock to uh, maybe a year out from the election, people were looking for a change agent. They wanted somebody who had a good grasp on fiscal responsibility. They wanted somebody that hadn't been in Washington. Those are all characteristics of Trump. And then if you're looking at the day of polling and 11 percent of Americans are saying they're going to vote, they're just still undecided. 
think that I think that we'd probably have to break into to whom that eleven percent was made up of. Yeah, you know these are as I mentioned in my email the fastest eleven minutes. It's amazing. We only like a little over a minute left, but. Did the polling company help in the terms of this election in digging into some of the swing state voters who uh, the states that people traditionally thought would probably go to Hillary and they went to Donald Trump? Were they able to help Donald Trump understand what was of concern of those people? Did you guys do that kind of work for them? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That was essential to our to our role uh, in the presidential election is to is to find uh, states, areas, paths. Uh, to victory, and you know, we worked with a with a group of pollsters, the polling company being being one of them, and really working with some folks that say were from Michigan or knew knew a lot about Michigan and could tell us uh, if if our numbers were coming up even, where where we should be going to be most effective, where we should be sending uh, Pence, where we should be sending Trump, where we should be sending surrogates, what our surrogates should be saying. Those were all things that we were testing internally and ensuring that we could maximize the vote in states that we really hadn't been used to traveling to in presidential elections in the past. I love that. I love the notion of really understanding uh, voters kind of in their hearts a little more. I think you think of polling like you can vote for X or Y, but you're really able through polling to dig into their hearts a little more and, and understand issues better. So, you know, as I told you, the fastest uh, 11 minutes ever. Brett Lloyd, thank you for calling into America. Can we talk? I'd love to talk with you again sometime about polling. You're full of good information. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And happy to be back on anytime. You guys have a good night there. Thank you, and folks, we'll be right back to America Can We Talk. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out centerforsecuritypolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's centerforsecuritypolicy.org. Texans have a long tradition of independence, and we don't like being told what to do, especially by liberal bureaucrats 1,000 miles away. That's why for 30 years, the Dallas-based Institute for Policy Innovation has fought Washington's efforts to take more of your money and freedom. IPI works every day to keep taxes low and freedom high, to promote free market health care, expand energy security, protect intellectual property, and combat onerous regulations that destroy American jobs. Politicians often talk smaller government, but then vote for more of it. By contrast, IPI has never veered from its mission to defend the Constitution and fight for freedom. If you want to be informed about free market policies and solutions, go to IPI's website and sign up. All of their information is free for sharing. Help IPI restore liberty and economic growth. Go to IPI.org today. That's IPI.org. One more time, go to IPI.org today. 
Attention Ronald Reagan fans. What is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact... First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit FirstLiberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's FirstLiberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to FirstLiberty.org now. And welcome back to America. Can we talk? I want to thank our guests from the last segment. It just went by so fast. Brett Lloyd, president and CEO of the polling company, took over from Kelly and Conway. But back to our Right View Roundtable, our Millennial Right View Roundtable. Again, we have Drew Wicker and Matt Van Hefty here tonight. So I mentioned I just got started talking about North Korea. And um, I just, I, I tell you, on the one hand, I mean, Trump did not create the North Korea problem. It is you know they've had a crazy dictator it's a third generation um and they've had big challenges with um they're just it's an irrational unreliable um just you never know what this uh, administration is going to do but where they are now is serious i mean this guy talking about he actually has a hydrogen bomb of the strength i mentioned and believes he can load it onto an icbm which i guess some american military people are saying i don't think he can do that but he does and the threat to the electromagnetic pulse. So then you have Donald Trump, who is at least fortunately surrounded himself with some good generals. But it's a really, it's, it's a very hard situation. I mean, he can go back to the UN. He can act for, ask for stricter sanctions. He can keep squeezing China and saying, you know, you, and keep, keep squeezing China and Japan, everyone to, to pile on and isolate Kim Jong-un. But um I, I don't know. I, I think it's one of those times when you really wish you had a president with a little more military or a State Department or some experience, and you just feel like you you feel concerned about what, where he's going to go in that. But actually, you were saying, Matt, I think one of the breaks, what, what is your, your TCU student, what are you majoring in? Political science. 
Okay, and yep. you have some have had some. So, do you have some read about all this? You were t- saying something in the break. I want you to share the listeners about North Korea. Well, I think from this point, you talked about you know what has been done in the past, and well, I think right now President Trump has done a lot more, um, a lot more help than harm as compared to what we had with President Obama and President Clinton, who just chose to ignore um, the rise in North Korea and the rise of nuclear proliferation in that region, and already. Trump has been able to basically bring the hammer down to the point where it has knocked Kim Jong-un um, on his butt, just thinking about, you know, he can't he can't be as strong as he always been trying to be when it was with, when it was with Obama. Um, just, you know, the other week when um, I mean, Kim Jong-un backed down and said, you know what, America, it's your move. And that was just right after, you know, China came in and said, you know, you know, if the United States attacks first, if you guys are the aggressors, we'll side with North Korea. And that right there is probably Donald Trump's only um, inhibiting factor from getting involved at this point because we do not need to go to war. We do not want to go to war with China. And you talked about, you know, what else can be done here? I don't think they can go to the U.N. The U.N. is helpless. The U.N. can't do anything except, you know, smack a few more sanctions. That doesn't work. It's We've been doing that to Russia. We've been doing that to North Korea. We've been doing that to Iran. But, look, they're still doing things that are negative in the global landscape. So right now – Donald Trump's best plan of attack should be working with China. Once we get China shifted to our side and ready to actually step in and up, step up to the plate of what China wants to be, which is a regional power in Asia, which they've been trying to do in the South China Sea, what they've been trying to do in the Far East, they need to actually step up and own what they have created. They have in, they have allowed Kim Jong-un and the North Korean regime to build up a nuclear arsenal that can threaten not only China— but also threaten every other state that is within the Asia hemisphere, is within even North America. Drew, were you going to say something? I was going to pounce. Oh, go ahead and if you're going to pounce. <laughs> well, you know, I love everything you're saying, and I love the notion that we have, you know, we are working strategically. I really don't know what it is that China, I mean, we want to have China feel like you're going to be sorry if you're, if you're, taking North Korea's side, but China has to feel incentivized to think that we're the, you know, we're the, the good ones. I mean, I think, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm concerned that, you know, we have a very odd and strained relationship with China, and I don't think that China is, I mean, I think they are, um, they are the most capable of influencing the North Korean regime, but everything you're saying about any regime influencing Kim Jong-un assumes some degree of, of sanity, on his part, I mean, I do. I, I know. I mean, this is what gets so dangerous with nuclear weapons. You can't. I mean, you, there is. It's not like in the Revolutionary War days. You can have a little skirmish here and a skirmish there. You know, no, there is no such thing as a nuclear skirmish. It, it's it's a big, big time thing. And so, to the extent, I mean, I'm always thinking things like, to the extent we could just take out the nuclear facilities. I'm sure that political that you know military minds. Uh, in America who are experienced in the battlefield experience and the art of war experience have studied war thinking of every single option that they can do but this is I don't think we can I don't think Trump can just sit back and let Kim Jong-un spout off I think he's got to do something let's say we bring in that subject let's say we bring China off the off the table they're not in they're not in this scenario if we wanted to do a actual actual strategic strike on North Korea to avoid having any sort of nuclear weapons First of all, we 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 have intel. Well, we do have intelligence on where we know where these nuclear facilities right. are. But you know, they could have some height. They have um, trucks. They're they're mobile. Not only that, let's say we do take out all their nuclear weapons. 
we they North Koreans still have an arsenal of artillery batteries that can hammer Seoul and kill millions yep. of people within the first few hours of a conflict. So you're you're either way you're taking a negative pull from whatever um, scenario that we can pull up here. Not to mention if we bring China back involved. But aren't you just assuming Kim Jong Un won't do anything? Kim Jong Un, I think that right now it's it's a measuring between national powers here. Okay, you have North Korea do something, and then you have the United States respond. Then you have Japan do something. Then you have North Korea respond. It's basically trying to um, show people who has the bigger stick here. What can we do? It's a it's it's a reaction, not necessarily going to be an actual attack or a war. I think um, I did say that Kim Jong Un is the only global leader with nuclear weapons who would be crazy enough to use nuclear weapons right off the bat as compared to maybe Russia who would, you know, wait, or the United States, we would wait to use it because we want to use conventional things because we have mutually assured destruction when we use nuclear weapons with another nuclear power. But yes, Kim Jong-un, if he if he does choose to attack, he would most definitely or be urged to use nuclear weapons. And this is a disaster. I will say, you know, I raise all these issues. I don't claim to be a military expert, and I do. We're going to have actually someone on next week who will be wonderful to talk with about this. Um, and uh, he's on next Sunday, September 10th. It's Rich Higgins, who is just an, an amazing, uh, he'll be an amazing guest. But anyway, we can talk more about this with him. I just, for my, the reason I brought this up in part tonight is there are just serious, serious issues happening in the world. And I feel like America has gotten ourselves wrapped around the axle and a whole bunch of issues that are just, you know, we're talking about taking down Confederate statues or not taking them down or having, you know, protests and who started it and, and who's apologized sufficiently for uh, past. I mean, we, we just we're we are playing in a league in the world that is dangerous beyond words. We have, you know, we have allies in the world. We have most of the sane world knows they don't want North Korea really to have any weapons, let alone nuclear weapons. And so I, you know, I, I just I would love to have a more serious attitude by many people in the media about uh, about North Korea and about our, our situation in the world. I just feel like, I mean, I can't wait to talk to. I'm um, going to have Alan West on again soon and talk about this. But I just want, you know, you talk about serious thinking patriots. I want people to just shut down conversations that are going to fuss more about what kind of shoes Melania Trump wore or what, uh, you know, what statue and when who put it up and what they think. The, the, the world's a serious place, and President Trump has serious things to deal with. And I, and, and I, I just think we've got to be, be more serious, earnest patriots and Americans than, than to indulge this idiot, idiocy that we keep talking about all the time. Yeah, yeah, I 100% agree. But you know what? I think that there is no better time than now. And I would say that Donald Trump is the right person to be at the helm right now. And I find comfort in that. There is, we have somebody with business experience, with negotiating experience that knows what levers to pull. He knows how to show and demonstrate strength. And I think that at the end of the day, dictators respond to strength. And that's the only thing that they know. That's the language that they speak. And whether that's Xi Jinping or whether that's King John Un, that's something that they will respond to. And as long as Donald Trump plays his cards right, I think that we can avoid war, and I think that we can come out on top of this. I do, too. I'm glad you raised that point, because I really think uh, North Korea, and I guess, Matt, you mentioned, they've been emboldened over decades by weak American presidents, who they just think, they're, they just, they, it's kind of, they, they will dare us, they will taunt us, and they, and, you know, we had, I went through in great length a few weeks ago about how nuclear weapons ended up in the hands of North Korea, mainly because through the assistance of President Clinton, and so I think, um, you know, 
North Korea has seen America as a patsy, as weak. So some really feel, and this is kind of one of the things I, people worried about Donald Trump saying, oh, he might be crazy as a, you know, I, I, I don't mind that much if North Korea kind of thinks, I don't know about this guy, Trump. I'm not sure what he will do, but I, I want them to be worried about us. So yeah, anything else to add or you're going no, Trump is a smart man. He's not going to be, you know, what the liberals um, point him out to be is that um, crazy, trigger-happy um, psycho. He, he he knows what he's doing. He's not he's he's not stupid. He's intelligent. He's not going to pull the trigger on something that does not need it. He ran on you know pulling troops away from foreign entanglements. He's only going to get the United States involved in subjects that are definitely a problem to national security. I think that too. I think I am. I'm, we're not going to talk about Afghanistan. So I, I'm not that wild about putting troops back there. But beside that, I do think that Donald Trump's overall vision. And stepping back for a minute about this, you know, I will say what this show is all about. The reason Donald Trump appealed to the American people, the reason people were so so uh, willing to jump on board with him and his campaign, was because they had a sense from him that he believes America needs to have a position of prominence in the world, that America first also just meant America standing up for itself in the world and letting the, the little dictators and the bullies of the world know America is going to be strong. It was very much an opposite of the way uh, Barack Obama conducted foreign policy and very much the opposite of the way Hillary Clinton would have. And so America chose a strong leader. And I agree with Matt, and I think you're both kind of alluding to it. I think Donald Trump, he gets, you know, the left didn't like him too well because they really want Hillary to win and they try to make people worried about his reaction i don't he's not in the slightest going to uh, have a uh, thin skin hair hair you know a hot tempered reaction to any of these kind of things and so i i do feel good about him i feel good about mattis around him i mean i they're all of them i could find some reasons i get upset with them but he's got many good top military advisors and I'm I'm grateful that they're there. So, okay, you know, we're gonna um, go off to break again in a minute. This is this is going too fast as it always does. The things we were going to be talking about tonight, we're gonna get in the second hour somehow. I do want to get in talking a little bit about Donald Trump has a decision within the next few days, really, to decide what to do about DACA, which is um, it relates to immigration. We're gonna be talking about the DACA. Um, executive order by President Obama that had no constitutionality behind it. They did it anyway. Trump's got a big decision to make on that front um, and a whole bunch of other good stuff. So this is Debbie Georgiatis and uh, Drew Wicker and Matt Van Hefty. America Can We Talk? Come right back. <laughs> 